This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to Grief Relief. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, today we're going to have an important show because it's on healing grief. And, you know, um, when we have people who've been on, who've been through trauma and come out on the other side in a helping venue and doing fabulous things to move the world along, I, I really enjoy those types of shows. I do, too. I love them. And, you know, like you said, Mom, our guest today not only talks the talk, but she walks the walk. And... She is going to really talk in so many ways about how we can shift our energy and how we can move from a place of desperation to a place where we start to see light again and we start to to believe that maybe there is hope again. And our guest today is Rosalie Dearheart, Um, and I will introduce her. We are going to talk today about healing grief, and Rosalie Dearheart is a veteran of grief who chose to open her heart even wider to love after the sudden death of her teenage son, Mike. She is the author of eight books, including Healing Grief, A Mother's Story. Welcome to the show, Rosalie. Thank you. Well, Rosalie, um, I, I felt so fortunate to come across your book and to have your publisher um, uh, send me a copy and say that you were uh, somebody that we might enjoy having on the show because I've really enjoyed it. I, I do identify with a lot of your journey, having your uh, son Mike killed um, in 1977. Now, my son was killed in 82, Heidi's brother. So you even go back further than we do. We're 30 years, and uh, you're, you're beyond that. Yeah, actually, um, yesterday was the 37th anniversary of my son's death. Oh, my gosh. I'm aware that, you know, it hit me that I, I, I've lived more than half my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, without him, which is amazing to think about. Yeah, without his physical presence, I'm sure, but always with you. I just wanted to say one thing. I know our audience is going to wonder how Mike died. Mike was 14, and um, as I understand it, the power lines were down in a storm, and uh, he was electrocuted to death. And you had a daughter, Carrie Lynn, age three at the time, and your husband, Gil, who was um, Mike's uh, stepfather. So just to give people a, a quick a quick rundown on it and— uh, yeah, and you eventually divorced from him, which is one of the things uh, in your book, Healing Grief, A Mother's Story. I, I want to say to our audience, we don't have time to cover all this because um, uh, Rosie, uh, Rosalie is so has got so much to give us. But I want to say to you, if you want to read about her experience with the death of her son, um, how it is to go through one year, two year, three year, four year, um, and I think you even went to six years, yeah, to six years. Uh, this is a really good read for you to get because I think you're going to identify with a lot of it. And she journals and she also gives advice. But I was telling Heidi, I want to get into some of the advice that you give in this book, some thoughts that I think are so amazing, Rosalie. I, I, I was talking to Heidi about it this morning. One of the things when you were journaling that has come to you because you also are, uh, what, a medium? Is that what you would call it? A certified medium? Well, yeah, I'm I'm intuitive and uh, and I do soul readings and 
Yeah, I was listening to your video and that you've always um, been, you know, in that intuitive spot. But one of the things that you say in your book that I wanted to talk about a little bit was, because it's such a paradox, you say you can have anything you want as long as you're willing to let go. <laughs> I think that is such an amazing thought. Well, yes, and I'll tell you how, um, let me tell you how that happened, because I think this is really important as I look back, you know, to, to you know, the, the raw times that first year, um, because I, um, I intuited that I had to find a way to bless my son's death that I had let go of him physically, but I was still holding on. And and that the, the spirit part of me, my, my essence, knew that, um, that, that death is a doorway, that it's another form of evolution, and that I had to step up to the plate in terms of being able to reinvest in, in my life here and also, I had a sense of of helping him on his journey that I needed to let go, and um, and and I did this ritual where I I blessed his death, and it was really hard for me to do. Wow, that is powerful. Did you do that on your own, or were you with other people, or for for people who are saying, "Wow." I, I did it on my own. It felt really private. I uh, I didn't think other people would understand or agree. Um, and I think one of the things that that death, especially sudden death of one of our children, um, uh, offers us it offers us the opportunity to really pay attention to what we believe. And what we know. And let me ask you: If I want to right now, if I say to myself, "I want to do that ritual," how would I do it? Well, I I didn't write it. I um I went to the beach actually, and um, because the beach is really a place where I feel open and grounded. So open meaning my heart opens very wide on the beach, and grounded because my feet are in the sand. So I'm balanced there. I, I went to the beach. And I just breathed into my heart and remembered times when I intensely loved this little guy. Um, and I, uh, you know, I've come to believe that uh, what we call dead isn't dead because I just call people who have passed inspirited because for me they still have energy, there's still information. Information. There are still ways to contact um, those, those folks. So I after, just, after Mike's death, did you get to the place where you could look at it that way? You know what? It was nine months, which is interesting, okay. considering you know I, I have a woman's body, and mm-hmm. you know nine months is you know when the pregnancy, you know <laughs> when you deliver. So and. It, it it happened at the nine month mark, and uh, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Honest to God, it, you know, it was the hardest thing. It was the hardest labor I've ever had. Let's put it that way. And I absolutely knew that um, as as Mike's mother, this was mine to do. 
You know, one one of the things you also say is to dare to feel your tides. I love that. Dare to feel, have that feeling. Because, you know, it doesn't, you live by the ocean and, and would identify with the tides, but we all have those tides. I know people that are listening have those waves of grief. And I like when the book, when you said dare to feel them. Absolutely. Because I, I um, there was no way that I could reinvest. And that's what I needed. I needed the I needed to um, I, I needed to reinvest. My daughter at the time was two and a half. She needed a mom who had a heart that was open. I needed a heart that was open. And until I until I really leaned into feeling all those feelings, you know, the anger and the pain and the anguish and the sadness and the the what ifs, there was no way I could be present for for um, an open heart or for love. And and another thing that you say in your book that I, that I think is really fascinating. You know, we talk about in the particularly in the therapy world, we talk about disenfranchised grief. Disenfranchised grief is grief that you feel that you you don't really identify with it, and and you need to get in and really. Um, Take hold of your grief. Is it, Heidi? Is that how you'd say disenfranchised grief would kind of be that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, but you say in this book, uh, when the question is, and I know so many people have asked this very question, Rosalie. When will the questions end? When will death simply be? And you're the answer that you got to this is when you disenfranchise yourself for having a part in the loss. That is powerful. That is a powerful statement because we're saying, you know, the the world's saying, don't disenfranchise, you know, really get into it. And you're saying until you disenfranchise your part in it, that you had a part in it, that you had any control over it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's pretty normal to uh, look back and, and wonder, you know, that's the if only place, you know, right. if only we had moved, if only the blizzard hadn't come, if only Mike had stayed in and helped me make the blueberry pie. And and, um, and that's, you know, in a way, that's really narcissistic. Now, I, I couldn't say that. 30 years ago, or maybe even 10 years ago, I can look back at it now and go, oh, that was really narcissistic, you know, of me thinking that somehow I, I could have changed right. this. Right, yeah. Heidi, what's your thought on that? I know we were talking about it earlier. I, I love that idea. And, yeah, we were talking about it earlier because I, I know so many people that are much earlier on in their loss who are torturing themselves. With I would have, I should have, oh. I could have done something different so that but my children or my siblings would still be here. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's that anguish. You know, it's, it's like I, the stages, you know, the stages have their own timing. And we're not in charge, we're not in charge of them. And what I most wanted after Mike's uh, death, I needed mother's stories. I needed to know it was possible to survive with an open heart. Um, and that was 1977. There weren't a lot of mother's stories. And, um, you, you know, I looked. There weren't a lot of compassionate friend groups. This was, you know, this was right on the edge 
Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was teaching, and I was one of her students. Learning about grief and living into grief are so very, very different. Um, so what happened was I was a journal keeper, and I kept my feelings to myself. You know, I'm a Mainer. I'm a strong Maine woman. We're raised to be strong and, um, <laughs> and, and, and be private. Um, but I've been a journal keeper since the age of 25. So basically, Healing Grief and Mother's Story is, is excerpted right from my journals. And what I realized after seven years was that I had written the story I most wanted to hear. Right. And and it's and it's wonderful. I mean, there are a lot of books. This is very excellent and I would highly recommend people get it. But I want to move to something else you said which really struck me. Uh again, I was talking to Heidi about it where you talk about going from being a victim, which is what we feel initially, obviously as a victim, that shouldn't have happened to us, whether we're a sibling or a parent or um uh whether we're a spouse loss or whatever, we're a victim. And then you move from victim to victor, and we call it kind of a hero's journey. So I've done that thought before, but you've got another thought that goes beyond that, and that you go from victim to victor to vessel. Yes. That is, yes. Pro- that is profound, because there's another step for those people out there, if you're out as far as we are, as far as I am 30 years, there's still it's still beyond what you are doing with this experience. It's pretty profound. Uh, well, it's like, um, um, I think both life and death offer enormous opportunities for us, you know, um, and, and vessel, Mike's death opened me up to my intuition. Mike's death opened me up to channeling. Mike's death opened me up to, um, understanding a whole other dimension of reality. That um, that I hadn't even dreamed of or been introduced to, and and the vessel, the the vessel is saying, um, okay, okay, I I commit myself to being a channel of God's love. Mm-hmm. And so pe- people can actually get soul readings from you, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. That's um, that's a lot of. Um, that's a lot of what I do. Um, I mean, I write. I I, uh, I do workshops called uh, embodying soul training, and um, and soul readings. And I'm telling you, very um, very um, what do I want to say, um, heartfully, um, Heidi and Gloria, that I know I would not be. Um, doing this work, I would not have even imagined saying publicly, even privately, probably, okay, okay, I- I'm on God's clock. I- I'm living my life as a vessel. Um, if-, if if it had not been for my son's death. Wow, Heidi, do you want to comment on that? I know you're probably thinking a lot of things there. I'm just thinking that it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And that you have really transformed your loss and and grown. We hear a lot about post-traumatic growth, but you've grown in profound ways as a result of what happened to you. Um, well, I've certainly grown up. <laughs> um, that's for sure. <laughs> I was uh, 
I was thirty. I was thirty-three uh, when my Mike when when Mike died. So he was fifteen, almost fifteen, and I was thirty-three, and I had never experienced death before. So um, my innocence was shattered. Mm, that's a good good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, we have words for you know, like if if you're married and your you know your partner dies either suddenly or, you know, just because of life, you know, then you can say, you know, well, I'm a widower. Um, or if both your parents have died, you know, well, I'm an orphan. We don't have a word in our vocabulary for um, parents um, or, or um, Heidi, sisters who have lived beyond the death of... Um, their son, daughter, brother, sister. We don't have a word for it. Yeah, innocence shattered is certainly a good a good way to put it. Well, we could do a whole other show with you, particularly talking about sibling loss and about Kelly Lynn and, and uh, that whole thing. But um, we're going to have to end this show for today. But before we end, I want you to tell people how to get to your website. And I know you've just finished a new book. And, uh, and could you tell them what it is and where to get it? And tell them about your workshops and... Uh, all the things that you're doing. Sure. Well, if they visit my website, which is um, www.heart, H-E-A-R-T, hyphen, soul, S-O-U-L, hyphen, healing.com, and there's all kinds of information on it. There's also, I think it's about an eight-minute tape about grief, and that's under the giveaway section of my um, website. But there's a bookstore on the website. Um, I just um, sent my eighth book to the printers. It's called um, Soul Befriending. Um, and this might be a really um, interesting book for um, some of the, your listeners because basically Soul Befriending is um, the subtitle that my publicist loves is um, High Beam Living and Loving. It's how to move. It's how to move out of personal story into soul story. So it's how how to move out of um, ego and being ego driven into being soul centered. So victim to vessel again. Um, and uh, and it's got lots of stories in it and. Um, I call it a year's workshop between covers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also do workshops, right? And they can find your workshops on your site? Yep, workshops are under the event tab. Books are there. There's a lot of information um, on the site. I, um, I, I try to make, I really try to make my site um, be um, a banquet. So I've tried to uh, kind of condense my energy so that the energy is inviting and welcoming and loving. Well, you've certainly been loving, inviting, welcoming on this show, and I want to thank you so much for being on, Rosalie. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Rosalie. That was was fabulous. Thank you, Heidi. Well, Heidi, uh, Rosalie's great, isn't she? I'd love to get up to Maine and uh, meet her and do one of her workshops. Who knows? Maybe we'll get up there sometime. And uh, um, her new book sounds really interesting. I like that idea of uh, 
high beam living and loving. Yes, I'm moving from, <laughs> yeah. from, I love it too. I'm moving from victim to vessel. <laughs> right, exactly. And we want to bless all of you out there. And uh, thanks for listening to our show today. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.